previously on Funny Science Fiction. Fist was like, bum, 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 <laughs> the rock and sock and robot. <laughs> yeah, the rock and sock and robot fist right in and drove his head into the ground. Welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast featuring family-friendly humor your mom would approve of but never understand. I'd like to introduce to our show Jim Ward, who, according to the infallible words of Wikipedia, Jim was one of the players in Gary Gygax's early Greyhawk games as Gygax developed the Dungeons and Dragons game. The Dungeons and Dragons character, Dramish, was named after him. Dramish is simply Jim Ward spelled backwards. Am I pronouncing your name backwards correctly, Jim? I don't know if I'd call it simple, but yes, you did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Jim has authored and co-authored a number of popular novels, including the... Uh, Forgotten Realms novels, Pool of Radiance, Pools of Darkness, and Pool of Twilight. Jim has authored and co-authored quite a number of popular role-playing games and guidebooks. Uh, he did the uh, Gods, Demigods, and Heroes, which was part of the Four Rules supplements in the original Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, he created Metamorphosis Alpha, the first science fiction role-playing game, Gamma World, uh, Greyhawk Adventures, Metamorphosis Alpha, fourth edition, Tainted Lands. He also did design on the Dragon Ball Z collectible card game. These are just a few of the projects Jim has worked on or created. They are too numerous to mention. Jim, welcome to our show. I hope I got all those correct, you know, Wikipedia. You did a great job there doing a little research on me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. We, uh, we enjoy our guests. So now before we get started, uh, anytime it's our custom, anytime we interview anyone connected to the tail tabletop RPG world, everybody's required to roll a d20 for our interview skills, and then you, Jim, you have to roll for your interviewee skill. So if everybody go ahead and roll your dice now. Okay, here I go. All right, 15. All right, what'd you get, Jim? I got a dismal 13. 13. Uh, Tim? Deuce is wild, I got a two. Whoa, Tim's our big loser. That was a bad roll. All right, you know what that means, Tim. That You're required that you to me ask the big loser. a question from our silly wheel of inappropriate questions. Okay, Tim. Now, instead of asking a real question, you're going to have to try to pitch Jim on a dumb idea for an RPG campaign book <laughs> movie. You are cornered. It's, there's the setting. You corner Jim. And he's just coming out of the bathroom at a comic com or or a some sort of con, and you've uh, pushed your way up to him, and you breathlessly just begin pitching this idea for the greatest RPG game ever. Now, the title of this RPG is The Amazing Vegan Velociraptors and the Curse of the Pacifist Rutabagus. Go ahead, Tim. Make your pitch. Hey, Jim, Jim, hold on a second. Yeah, I need you to picture this, if you will. It's, 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 it's super cool. I mean, so, so cool. Imagine a race of rampaging vegan dinosaurs going up a group uh, against a group of pacifist intelligent vegetables. I mean, like, they're so super smart and they're super smart because they don't have that, uh, the, the cow meat, uh, like clogging up their brain tubes and stuff. So they're like super smart. And now here's the thing. This is where this gets really interesting, Jim. And this is why you're going to want You're going to want this thing so bad. I mean, it's the coolest thing ever. It's going to be non-offensive. So like everybody's going to play it. Um, even like my mom, she doesn't even like RPGs, but okay, she'll totally... uh, ju just a second, young man, just a second. Did you know that Hasbro just came out with that product? 
Yeah, well, they, 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 I pitched it to them and they told me they didn't want it, but I made some alterations. So here's why my stuff is going to be better than their stuff. Okay. Hasbro is stupid. We're cool. Anyway, um, see, they didn't, they didn't include this next oh, part. Oh, I'm, I'm very sorry. I, I must run away to a meeting. Thank you very much for that but great you, idea. But Please take my business card and, and write me an email later. Okay, but here's going to be a super cool thank email. You, thank you very much. Goodbye. About the raptors and the rutabagas. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jim, for being such a good sport. And oh, my God. That was painful. <laughs> it's like it's like hearing about a person's character. Right? My 19th level paladin did this and down in the dungeon. <laughs> um, and at TSR, that was the worst. People just wanted to share their characters with us. And we didn't want to hear them. Let me tell right? you. I'm so sending you an email about rutabagas. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you go. So I'll, put, I'll you put you in touch with the Hasbro lawyers. <laughs> Perfect. So, we're Excellent. more worried about Playtex, actually. Actually, you have to watch an earlier episode because we. Uh, That's a good one. You know, in the future, we've decided that the you know the big three corporations <laughs> take over the world, and you know the Playtex Microsoft, is one of them. Google, and Playtex. So. Anyways, <laughs> I, I thought Taco Bell took over the world. Well, that that's another possibility, but that was a short step, but nobody could get out of the bathroom. Us. Nobody so. could get <laughs> great. All right, well, let's start our real interview questions now. Uh, what what a great idea! Uh, <laughs> you know, with all your experience in the creative world and working with others, and I, uh, some of us are kind of visualize ourselves as creative types. Do you have any sage advice for the creative people in our audience who maybe someday dream of doing creative work for a living? Sure. I have, I have a couple standard pieces of advice. Number one, all important is don't quit your day job. Right. <laughs> no one is making a million dollars in this hobby right now. Right. Yep. And number two, be persistent. If you get told no by somebody, try somebody else. Yep. Very good. Good advice. Good advice. And so can you think uh, of an experience in your life when you just said to yourself, I never want that to happen again? Um, and how did you just adjust your work expectations and goals to deal with that reality? You know, you mm. found something that you just had to say no to. That's tough. A couple, a couple of the ones that come to mind would get me sued into the Stone Age. Okay. So I don't think I want to bring yeah, those. Yeah, no, no, we'll skip those. Yeah, really. <laughs> this is um, a lawsuit-free environment. Yeah, really. <laughs> One time, I did a project for somebody. Normally, I always give them an outline, and they have to approve the outline before I start the project. But this friendly fellow seemed really eager to get the stuff, and he he gave me a nice down payment. I made the mistake of not giving him an outline to approve. And and so I turned in the project and he wanted like 20 things changed. It was very irritating. If I would have had my outline in hand, I could have told him, I'm sorry, we didn't agree to that at the beginning of the project. So always have an outline that you get approved by whoever you're working with. Mm. Again, Great. solid advice. Very good. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Stage-like, some would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like as much a protection for you as it is for them. Exactly for sure. right. Exactly right. It's really necessary, and and I don't 
I don't ever make a product now without getting an outline approved. And, and I stick to the outline. People aren't going to add tons, tons of words to my product. Oh, yeah. It's hard enough getting them done as it is. There yeah. you go. Good job. So cool. role-playing games got to be interesting to write um, because you have to leave some room for the players to do what they want to do. So instead of hard, fast rules, a lot of times you end up with principles of play. So while at the same time, you know, you're making charts and tables and et cetera, and things for the countless situations or, or whatever method you choose, countless situations that you may end up in. So when it comes to role play games, what do you feel is most important? Do you think oh, it's following, great, great. Yeah, go ahead. Following, following like the charts and the rules or simply just using all those principles <laughs> and just having a good time? Where's that balance for you? So I was, I was taught by Gary Gygax. And he was, of course, the, the originator of D&D. And for him and for me, the story is everything. There's a beginning and a middle and an end, just like a play or a movie. And you must advance the story and keep the, the players on the story. Now, and that's, that's where the creativity of the Dungeon Master comes in, because well, players, want, players never want to go where you want them to go in the dungeon, ever. So you just have to be creative and, and keep it moving. But the story is the important part because 20 years later, they're going to remember the story. They aren't going to remember the 10 failing roles they did when they were fighting the Tyrannosaurus mm. Rex. Okay. That's a, that's really, Very really good. good way to put it. Yep. So we have a question um, directly from Guy Sklanders, how to be a great GM. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's all over YouTube and such. And he was a previous guest on he, our show. Yeah, and he was, he was another guest on our show in the past. Um, he wants to know, if you were dared to ride naked on a scooter through Gen Con or another convention, perhaps, would you do that? Oh, for $11 million, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. I guess we got our answer. We got, we got a price. I don't well, there know. you go, Guy. You, you have your answer now. Not, not 10.5 has... 11 is a hard, fast number. Just you know, checking. 11 is hard and fast, really. Uh, <laughs> you got to have standards. Right. And, uh, okay. no, and no, probably most, most of the money will be used in, uh, in uh, uh, psychology effects for the people watching me <laughs> move through that. The uh, lawsuits, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, therapy through charitable donations of the Jim Ward Foundation. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Just so you know, um, that, that, that wasn't Guy's question. You know, he actually wanted to, that was more, more teasing him. Uh, he wanted to ask you an actual question, which is, if you could rate role-playing games from the 1980s versus RPGs today, which would be your favorite from a creative perspective and why? Well, it's, yeah, it's the ones today for sure. I mean, look at basic D&D as it turned into AD&D, and now it's turned into fifth edition. They make changes. They make things easier to understand. And, th and that's what's been happening down through the decades. The rules have been easier and easier to understand. And, and then the support material has been better and better and better. So I, w I would say a modern day game every time over an 80s game. And, uh, I, mean, and, I, and I, I did 70s games. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and they're still for sale, I'm happy to say. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say a modern game just because just because the science of role playing has advanced really far since since Gary came up with it in 74. Yeah. Cool. So 
there's a lot of um, various alien creatures and mythical creatures. And of course, you know, role playing wouldn't be anything without those. Would if you were to choose a race or mythical creature or anything like that, you could become or maybe even experience for a day, whatever, however you want to take it. What, what would you choose? Oh, boy, I have two. <laughs> I put I put Tyrannosaurus Rex in all of my adventures. Yeah, because I really like that dinosaur and I think he's way cool. But if I'm going to be one, I would be a quickling every single time. Okay. They're lightning fast. They have two daggers. They can hit you in a blur without you even knowing it. They're just way cool little dudes. And and I've always liked them. So uh, to our listeners, a quickling is kind of like a halfling. It's kind of like a shorter, a shorter rogue type. Is that? Is yeah, that the that's, best that's, way to... that's very true. Mine, of course, would be a tall quickling. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd be a quickling for sure. I think that was in, uh, I think it was in the monster. I'm pretty sure it was in one of the monster manuals. I think I remember. So um, this question is from Landon. He's a friend of ours. He's developed some role play systems as well as he's an author as well. Um, he says that you, he knows that you keep up with a lot of modern RPGs that, that take on similar settings to like Gamma World or post-apocalyptic worlds. He would like to know what your favorite examples of things in those games, mutation, game mechanics, lore, what other items or anything from other post-apocalyptic RPGs are your favorite that you can think of? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, I think when I look at other people's designs... I look at, at their weapons and I look at their creatures and, uh, and see what I like about them. Um, currently, I'm really into fungus. <laughs> <laughs> so fun, fungus man and mushroom man and, and molds, I'm, I'm enjoying putting those in products right now. But yeah, that's what I look at, the weapons. Just, I want to see how cool the weapons are. Um, you know, these days, uh, in, in our modern time, there's amazing weapons out there that, that the public never sees, but the army and other militaries are using. So I, I like looking at weapons that are even further into the future. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, uh, the, the black ray from uh, Gamma World um, killed anything that touched flesh. Well, these days, you know, they've got these weird sonic things that do the same thing. So wow. I, I like looking at the weapons and seeing how advanced they are. Interesting. So, so would you say that you develop a lot of fun guys? Uh, no, oh, I, w- oh, I wouldn't I say help that actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. Not at all. Yeah. Never. Never. No. <laughs> Could we turn off his audio briefly? <laughs> I have been banished. Ten minutes. Ten minutes right. for shame. All right. Damn. So in all my research, Jim, about all that is Jim Ward. I found out that you were a big fan of Hardy Boys books growing oh, up. Oh, yes. Loved them. Yeah, me too. Now, see, when I grew up, uh, uh, my dad had a set of the original 1927 Brownbacks. Yes, I have those too. Uh, I wish I still did. Um, and I read them almost daily. Now, my mm-hmm. two favorites out of, out of the whole series, especially out of the first about uh, probably about 30 of the books, was The Twisted Claw and While the Clock Ticked. Ah. Uh-huh. I would read those over and over and over again because I liked the action in them. They kept my attention. I never felt like there was a dull moment in those books. Yes. Now, my books were a very nice and uh, well-kept collection until they met an unfortunate blueberry end. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I may have projectile vomited all over them. Oh, boy. Uh, it was, I was about 16. It was not a good day. I was very upset because uh, I knew those books were trash. Um, so I have, this is a kind of a two-part question here leading up into this. Do you remember uh, one of the books as being your favorite? I have two of, of the of the originals. Okay. Um, I, I liked uh, Tom Swift and the Dirigible. Okay. And Tom Swift and the Motorcycle. I thought those were both really way, way cool for their time. And All really, right. they're timeless stories. You could read those right now and still enjoy them a ton. Oh, absolutely. As a matter yeah. of fact, I... Uh, when I have three kids and my oldest two, my oldest is, is 21, almost 22. And my youngest, my middle son is 18. Um, and I tried getting them into the, to the Hardy boys books and I would sit down and I would read those with them and show them to them and, and everything. They never quite took to them like I did, but. No. Oh. Did you uh, try them? Did you try them on the Tom Swift books? Uh, no, I did not. I probably should have, but. Yeah, you should have actually that Tom Swift is another great series. I enjoyed that when I was in fifth grade. Okay. So. Thinking about the Hardy Boys book, so didn't always just feel bad for Chet. <laughs> <laughs> Never ever. <laughs> I always felt bad for him. He was always the one who was getting knocked over the head, you know, kidnapped, yeah, yeah, held up no. for ransom. I know. I just felt bad for the poor parents. Well, those, <laughs> right. those two brats were going out everywhere doing everything. Oh my God. If I was a parent, I'd be going wild on those guys. They'd be, they'd be in trouble every single day of their lives. Right. They were always taking off. No, no explanation. Hey mom, we're just gone. Yeah. Uh, exactly. We're not even home for dinner in time. So uh, in my continuing quest of knowledge for Jim Ward, I also saw that, you know, uh, that, that you were, uh, enshrined in the Academy of, of Adventure, Gaming, and Arts and Design Hall of Fame back in 1989. Yeah, uh, for, those are the days. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, for, uh, and I'm a huge sports guy, so I think of that very much in the lines of, of hockey, and, and, you know, that's my favorite sport, you know, because when I think of players in that sport, you know, that's their dream to break records and be regarded as the best there ever was and, and, and to make it, hopefully, to be enshrined uh, in that Hall of Fame. So with you and, and your choice of career and what you do, how important – was it for you and what did it mean to you personally to be inducted into the hall of fame? Well, you know, it's, it's not, uh, there isn't a ton of people in that hall of fame. I, I thought it was very special. The, the, the announcement was that I think the announcement was at an origins. Yeah. I'm pretty positive with an origins. And anyway, yeah, uh, it was, it was great. I was very much honored and, uh, and still have the trophy today on my wall and it was fun. Very great. cool. So who is, and the second part of that is, you know, everybody, you know, when thinking again about hockey players and, and you know, uh, people today who play hockey were influenced greatly by players like Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier and things like that, you know, these other Hall of Fame uh, people. Who was your biggest influence on your work leading up to that? Oh, well, and, and of course it was Gary Gygax. I mean, he, he taught me everything I, I know about game design and, and uh, working with uh, being a DM and being a player. And he was, you know, the guy in 1974, this guy was doing amazing things that haven't been equaled since. And uh, he was just a pleasure to listen to. He was an amazing storyteller. When you walked into his dungeon, you smelt it, you felt it, you, you could cool. touch it, pieces of it. it. He was an amazing storyteller. And, and I've tried, I'm not even close to as good as he was, <laughs> but, I've, but I've tried to follow in his uh, footsteps and do, do the same kind of thing. All right. Very cool. 
Well, my last question for you in the continuing studies of Jim Ward, and I'm, I'm still applying to get college credit for this coursework. Um, <laughs> Good idea. Right. Well, there was a lot of it. So, I, you know, there's a lot to review. Uh, I came across uh, something that said that what would be your dream job. And if I read it correctly, it, you said that you wanted to command the Starship Enterprise. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, it was. All right. Well, good. Uh, my sources were equal to Wikipedia then. All right, cool. So as cool as that sounds, I have to ask, did you aspire to that role on, on the Starship Enterprise because Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon was already taken? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love it. Very short, very precise. No. Yeah, really. The time, <laughs> the time is 1969, and, and I'm a senior in high school, and Star Trek started, and oh my God, I was hooked, lined, and sinkered. I wanted to be, I wanted to be that Captain Kirk and do everything he was doing. So ever since 1969, I've been, I've been jonesing over Star Trek. <laughs> Very fair answer, sir. I like it. That's great. Yeah. I have many, many uh, early, uh, early memories of Star Trek. Of course, I was a little bit younger. I think I was uh, nine when I saw Star Trek for the first time. And I, I was, I remember being frightened by the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the dog with the little mane thing? On? Right. The, the lion's mane on the, on the, on the chow. Yeah. Well, in the end credits, there was always this one big headed alien that, that maybe uh. nightmares and stuff, but but, uh, you know, it really was a ground, groundbreaking show. And, uh, of course, our, uh, our Facebook group is uh, dedicated to what's funny in science fiction. In fact, we use the uh, Tribbles episode picture as kind of our, uh, our banner in our Facebook group. So we always ask our guests about the importance of comedy and its usage, well, in this case, in games and in stories. Uh, so in your opinion, what role does humor play in stories and especially in RPGs? No, great question. You know, you know, it's uh, it's William Shakespeare who insisted on putting a bit of comedy in all his tragedies yeah. because he said it broke the tension. It, it made people who were suffering because they were seeing a tragedy like Romeo and Juliet. It, it made them not feel quite so bad. And, and certainly during games, you have to have some laughter. You have to get a kick out of something because um, I. I and Gary try very hard to put you on the edge of your seat. We want you tense. We want you worried about the life of your character. And, and so keeping that level of tension is a, is a tiring thing. So I think uh, it, it helps break the tension and makes people feel better about things. Yeah, I agree. Nice. I agree. And that, that's one of the things we based our group on is just having a lot of fun and and uh, in finding the enjoyment in, in all these things, the humor as well as the drama. Uh, the other thing I noticed on your Facebook page, which I really liked, was uh, you have your own personal Golden Buzzer Awards. Yes, yes. yes. I, give, every, I, love, every, I love that idea. Every and, couple, uh, I mean, I love the Golden Buzzer on uh, yeah. uh, America's Got Talent. I just think it's so cool. And so <laughs> I want to give out Golden Buzzer Awards to people I think are very impressive. And so I've, I've given out like three sets now. Every, every two or three weeks, I, I see somebody that I really like. There's stuff that I really like. And so I give, I mean, it means nothing, absolutely. Right. But, but it's just Jim Ward saying, hey, this guy is cool, check him out. And so I give Golden Buzzer Awards. Well, great. I don't know if you uh, 
perhaps you might share something you really enjoyed recently with our group and we'll share it with our group so they maybe something new they can discover and enjoy uh, thought I'd give you that opportunity. okay so uh, th this is this is kind of cool every friday afternoon at tw at 12 30 california time i do uh, a gagaxian dungeon with some cool. science fiction writers from california oh cool and uh and we've done We've done five episodes now, and you can catch them all um, on look. Check my Facebook page out, but also also on Galaxy Edge, you can catch them all. And Great. They're, they're just fun dungeon crawls. This guy Nick Cole, he's a he's a famous science fiction author. He wanted he was a D and Dier in back in the day, and he wanted to play in a in a game like Gary Gygax ran. And so I said, hey, I played in Gary's game for 40 years. I can make a castle that, and we call it Crimson Hawk, not Gray Hawk, because I don't want Hasbro to sue me into the storage. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we have Crimson Hawk Castle, and I make it as close to Gary's game as I possibly can remember. And so yes. we're having just a great time with that. It's about two and a half hours in, in, a, in a cast. And, uh, and you can listen to it on YouTube and you can listen to it on Twitch. I'm not a Twitch guy, but you can listen to it there. And uh, it's, just, it's just a fun experience. I'm getting a lot of, a lot of people saying, hey, this was a blast. I want to hear more. So that, that's always pleasant. Yeah, and, that's great. Uh, and they've yeah. gone from third level to fifth level characters. A couple of them had died a couple of times, but I, I haven't had a total party kill yet. Which makes me, which makes me very happy because I have an ugly reputation for total party kill. That's great. You're bringing back the survivors. Well done, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Can drop a, a link in the description for that. That sounds like a blast. It is. It's gonna. It is a blast, and people are really enjoying it. And you know, it's uh, it's five times two and a half, so it's like uh, ten. It's twelve hours of fun. So oh, you, you can't be. It's free, so you can't beat that. Right? Yeah, free is always free. good. All right, I have another question from our admins, Deb, uh, and she was asking since you, I uh, no doubt, embedded uh, many characters uh, uh, strictly from uh, your your brain. You you come up with ideas for games and stories. She was curious about the process that you use when you create a character. Do you just uh, strictly write a description from your imagination or do you ever use props like uh, images or maybe sculpt them out of play-doh or build lincoln logs of, <laughs> i don't know what, what you know do you have some sort of process like that i have something to show you guys this i'm gonna hold it up here see if you can see it it says storytellers thesaurus yeah this is the best thing james m ward ever wrote in his life okay cool. It's a huge book of ideas. And so when you're looking for a castle, you look up castle and thesaurus and it gives you all the parts of a castle. Nice. When you're looking up, when you, when you want to make a character, there's a whole chapter on characters, different types of characters, their hair, their skin, you know, their abilities. And so I use the storyteller's thesaurus almost every single day to make characters and make things in my game. Uh, just the other day, I needed some fun gems. I wanted to expose these guys to some, I wanted them to have to actually look up. Okay, I'm giving you a, let me look at one here up here. I'm giving you a, a burl gem. Uh, yep. I wanted them to actually have to look up the color and what a burl gem was and if it was valuable or not. 
And so this book, it, this book has hundreds of gems. So it's just an easy thing to, uh, to put in some moonstones and sunstones and star quartz stones. And uh, so the book is an idea generator. It comes out from uh, Troll Lords. You can buy it over there at their uh, website. And it's just, it's just a fun thing that I use daily in my, in my creative process. Well, that's awesome. That sounds like a great resource for, uh, for anybody who's uh, doing creative work of any kind. Yeah, I think, I think, well, and I get lots of people from other jobs that, that aren't design, game designers saying, hey, I use that book all the time in my yeah. memo, business memos. So, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, that pl that's it pleases me immensely to see that. I'm sure. Right. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much, Jim. We appreciate it. We're coming near the end of our podcast. Jim, we wanted to thank you for being on our show and we encourage everyone to look at some of your recent projects. Now, if, if our listeners have, have enjoyed uh, your books or were inspired to create something fun uh, because of your work, please tell us about it in a comment on the podcast or in our Facebook group. And Jim, we wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us about what's, what's new, what's upcoming for you. Where do you suggest people go to make sure they, that they get the best content from you? Oh, okay. So I've got, uh, I've got three different locations for you. Okay. All right firesidecreations.com okay that i did a uh, i did a uh, a new apocalyptic game called 77 lost worlds and also okay. i did a new fantasy game called dragon scales and both of those use a deck of cards instead of dice oh, i did read something about that that sounded okay. fascinating okay. i can mm. i can teach you the game in in almost 5 seconds all the red cards are good. All the black cards are bad. <laughs> when, when you want to hit something, you have to draw a heart or a diamond. And when you want to protect yourself from poison or other kinds of effects, you have to draw a spade. And that's how the game is played. Fun. All right. That's a yeah, good idea. There we go. Okay. okay. So also the Troll Lord boys have a lot of my products. And, uh, and this November, they're coming out with a product called The Warden. The Metamorphosis Alpha, the starship, kind of interesting story. Okay, so I, I made I made Metamorphosis Alpha, and I made my starship, and I called it the Warden because my name is Jim Ward. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I, I expected everybody to call their ships after themselves. <laughs> Nobody's doing that. <laughs> they're they're all calling them the Warden, which. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't understand why they wouldn't make it their own. But anyway, um, the warden comes out. It's a uh, it's a uh, six hundred and eighty page book on the starship warden. It's uh, seventeen levels of maps, sixteen levels of between deck maps. It's uh, a ton of characters. It's a ton of items. It's a ton of creatures. So oh. it's just the comprehensive book on the starship warden um, that cool. Troll Lords is coming out. And I've done lots of product for Troll Lords. Some stuff that's pretty good. Um, the Tainted Lands was a horror box set that I did for them using their Castles and Crusades system. And Of Gods and Monsters was a, a Didi Pantheon book that I did for those guys. I've got probably, oh, I want to say 20 or 30 products with them. Great. Great. And then finally, there's Goodman Games. Goodman Games is a, is, has, made, has remade Metamorphosis Alpha. And uh, they have several different Metamorphosis Alpha products, but uh, they're coming out this next month with, uh, uh, I have, 
I have envy, okay? <laughs> Gary Gygax's Tomb of Horrors, I think is the best adventure that was ever made. Um, it's, it's complex, it's interesting. Uh, it isn't a ton of pages. And so, uh, uh, and it's very difficult to do. <coughs> so I wanted to do something like that. And I've tried and tried and tried to do a fantasy version of Tomb of Horrors, and I failed miserably. <laughs> I, 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 I can make things that are horrific, but I can't make it as good as Gary made it. So I said to myself, okay, I can't do it Gary's way. I'll do it my way. There you go. So, there you go. Doom of the Warden is a, a, a horror science fiction adventure that takes you on the dome level of the Warden and, and walks you through a bunch of horrific adventure. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's, it's a deadly thing. And uh, I know most of, my, most of my things are pretty deadly. <laughs> but, uh, but that's what Gary did too. So I, I just feel yeah. like I'm in good company. But Doom of the Warden comes out next month from Troll Lords. Troll Lord, no, no, I'm sorry. From Goodman Games. Um, they have a web website where you can buy their product. And you can buy the original MA there. Um, you can buy a historical MA book there. Um, you can buy lots of MA product um, at the uh, awesome. Goodman Games products. So that's that's me and three different companies. Awesome. awesome. Well, you guys heard it from Jim. That's where you go to check out those things. Uh, and uh, we'd like to thank, first of all, everyone for listening. Be sure to check the links in the description. We'll link as many of those things as we possibly can uh, in the description so you guys can all have quick access to them. In addition, if you want more laughs, fun, and great guests like Jim, you guys can let us know on our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. Make sure that you rate us on your podcast provider and like and subscribe on YouTube. Just remember that that alone um, is like a donation that you can make to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund because it gets the word out there and the real charity uh, behind that right now, Wish Upon a Teen, wants to say thank you uh, to all our listeners and subscribers. So Jim, Thanks again so much for being on our podcast today. Yeah, happy to be here. All right, thanks. And wait till you get that rutabaga script. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would be remiss if I failed to mention our charity, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. Someday, red-shirted Starship crew members will probably be eaten when they foolishly fire their phaser at the hyper-intelligent alien plants on Dentra 3, just a few minutes into Episode 5 leaving their poor families behind. So please give to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. And of course, remember this fall, all profits for our fictional charity, Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund merchandise sales goes to the real charity, Wish Upon a Team. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at funny sci-fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the contact me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.